0: welcome back to What Fits the Sleeve. My name is Inrisha Nath. I'm 17 years old and I will be your host today. Science communication is science connected with society. Now I believe our generation has a lot of gaps in communication. It's very important for us to know what types of communication, especially with the new digital era coming up very soon. So we have a very important guest with us here today and he's from Imperial College London. Mr. Gareth Mitchell is a presenter at BBC and a professor of science communication. I am very, very, very excited to host him today and we'll be talking about science communication and why it matters. Hello everyone, so we're here live with Mr Gareth Mitchell from Imperial College London. Hi, how are you doing today?
1: I'm very well, thanks. Nice to be here.
0: I'm so excited to host you on this podcast. Today we'll be discussing science communication. Can we just define what science communication is?
1: I suppose that the most fundamental, it could be If you know something about science and you tell your friends and family about it. Then I suppose on the other end science communication is institutionalized in terms of science communication on the media, so science journalism for instance, um, science in museums. Then there's the academic study of science communication which is where I come in, so I'm one of the lecturers on a master's course in science communication at Imperial College London. For us science communication is anything from helping scientists make science explainable and using everyday regular language to explain complicated scientific principles. It's everything from that right up actually to a a more academic idea of what science and communication both are so we think very deeply about you know what is this thing called science you know it's institutionalized it's politicized and you know when when things become so-called truths or facts or theories well who says it's it'll be a group of human beings somewhere that make those decisions through a peer review process or some other kind of institutionalized mechanism but whatever that is it's done by humans and that means it can be problematic, it can have biases, it can have all kinds of issues. So we take a, a philosophical and analytical view of science as well. So we hope that students doing our science communication master's course have a, a thoughtful and critical view of what science is and why it matters. So
0: Generation Z is all about technology now and that scenario, how do you think science communication matters?
1: I think the deeper and more critical challenge, especially for Gen Z, is believing. How can we trust what has come out from an AI? Because this thing, you know, I'm very troubled by the term artificial intelligence, because the I in AI is not intelligent. We all know that, you know, what these generative AIs are very good at is taking existing material and using stochastic processes to to assemble a huge body of data that is mined out there on the internet to create something that looks like a credible piece of writing. Um, And that's a very different, well, it's kind of related, but fundamentally different from the way that a human being might approach a piece of science communication. So yeah, what is the tech challenge for Gen Z? I think it's just grappling with this idea that we're talking about huge amounts of machine generated content. And how do we as human beings steward that relationship? relationship between us and the machines so that the communication going out there and stuff that people believe, stuff that people act on, stuff that influences people's political and social decisions, how can we make sure all of that is mediated in a way that ultimately is beneficial for humanity and not the algorithms?
0: Right now, what ChatGPT is generating might not have that personal touch. But in that scenario, you know, we're talking about science communication in general. You've mentioned a few challenges, but could you expand further on what kind of barriers the Generation Z would have in science communication or communication in general?
1: I'd like to think that Gen Z will have fewer barriers than may have been the case in previous years. We've seen this huge drive now for much more inclusivity and uh, inclusion and diversity access to the media institutions, for instance. And, you know, I work at the BBC and I walk around the BBC and it looks like a much more diverse place now than it did even 10 or 20 years ago, or, or 25 years ago when I started. So I'd like to think that some of the challenges that we may have been talking about will be eased to some extent. And I really hope maybe it's just a fantasy, a naive fantasy, perhaps, that Gen Z won't even know what those... Barriers look like in terms of race or disability or gender or sexual orientation and um, sexuality and so on. But I suppose the other challenges are indeed the stewardship with technology and indeed When we're talking about science communication, let's talk about science. And (laughs) of course, there are so many scientific innovations on their way. And perhaps when we have so much information out there and there's this exponential rise in information all the time, how do we pick the important science and who makes those decisions about the important science. So just on that level of what is communicated and how is it communicated, of course, they've always been challenges, but they will become even more acute challenges for Gen Z. I'd
0: like to know your perspective on how Generation Z can revamp maybe their perspective or their way of science communication.
1: Yeah, I think a big part of it is being open-minded and being curious and, You know, one thing that troubles me is somebody who's worked in the media for a long time and somebody who remembers a media landscape before social media. Now, of course, we're we're just seeing so many channels of communication. And I think a big problem is that, We choose, and I choose, what podcasts I listen to. And I notice that I tend to listen to people who I agree with, whose voices and styles that I like, who have content that I enjoy and find interesting. And then, of course, I do make similar choices in my own consumption of social media. And I'm walking into that trap that I warn other people about, that we just tend to be in these bubbles surrounded by people who are like-minded with similar views, and we're not as challenged. Our consumption of media was much more about picking up a newspaper and just seeing what was in the newspaper of course that model had many deficiencies and it seems ridiculous now that a group of people in a room somewhere have to decide what i get to read and watch and listen to on a given day that seems crazy and of course we 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 deserve and we're entitled to more choice now but that comes with a cost and it does mean that we're insufficiently challenged by ideas and subject matter that are kind of outside our usual sphere of, of interest and of course it's this um living in the bubble is algorithmically assisted we all know that you know our TikTok algorithm album on our phone it knows the kind of stuff that we like so yeah coming back to the challenge for gen z just to be more curious just understand that the algorithms are giving you your diet of content and there's other stuff out there that you may not like you may not disagree with but it'll be, it'll do you a lot of good to go ahead and consume it and be critical about it
0: how do you think this affects a generation z's you know, mental health, how do you think this would affect someone's mindset in terms of their access to information and their access to maybe the media on social media
1: as well. It's highly problematic. So I think here this is going to be a, a classic problem solution answer. And if I, I'll start with the solution. This is the good news for Gen Z because you guys are inventing the future. <laughs> you know, you're you're going to be you. You are the CEOs of the companies whose media I'm going to be consuming as I age. Uh, you, you're the ones who write the algorithms uh, to a large extent, generate the data. So in terms of solutions well it's over to you gen z we're relying on you and you've got a heck of responsibility because you have quite a lot of issues to sort out there and you will do it and you'll do a great job and i look forward to the future with you in control so that's the the positive solutions based answer but the problem you mentioned mental health there again it's good news bad news isn't it the, the good news is that we talk about mental health a lot more than we did, certainly when I was Gen Z's age a few years ago. It's a taboo in my age. You didn't mention depression or anxiety or, uh, yeah, you know, body dysmorphia, whatever it might have been. But the really dark, worrisome flip side of that is, of course, the mental health problems that are triggered by algorithms that constantly body shame, especially girls. Technology, science, communication, and mental health. I've given a very superficial outline of some of the the problems, and there's some really dark stuff out there. If there's a solution, it is Gen Z revamping the system, and maybe in the immediate term, just better regulation. You
0: teach at Imperial College London. You were also a presenter at BBC. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: I sometimes, almost jokingly, but it's kind of true, tell people that I spend half the time teaching it and half the time actually doing it. (laughs) I can tell you as somebody who spends half my career in the media that it's you don't get a lot of time to think. You know, you're just constantly putting out content. And if you're working on a weekly programme, as I, I have done in the past for a long time, going to the BBC, putting a programme out there, going through all the adrenaline and crazy run up to the show, And you put it on air, it goes away and then you've got next week, but then the following day, going back to university and then teaching students about it and students ask you very searching questions about what you do and why you do it. And you really have to think. And I just think that combination of practice and thought to me, it's really just been a wonderful aspect of my career. I think it's enriched it.
0: Thank you so, so much for coming here and joining us today. I mean, for the audiences out there as well, I hope you've taken away something and learned a little bit more about science communication. And um, thank you again, Sir Yaris and Mishanath signing out from my.